This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. This week is Pasha's Matos. Talks about making the Dora and making promises. Starts off Aidaba Moshe Roshe Hamatos. Oy Vezmir. Moshe Abenu was talking to the heads of the tribes. The Nayisrael. The heads of the tribes of Bnei Yisrael. Lamos saying, This is what Hashem commanded. And it talks about making promises, and what the Torah is telling us also is that the people who are leading Klai Yisrael, the Gedolim and the Dayanim and the Bezdins, be careful of your words. Be honest. Be honest. Don't desecrate the word. Do what's right. Don't hide all the terrible things that are happening. If you're the leaders of Christ's world, then it's on your shoulders to make sure that the guilty people who are hurting children end up where they belong. And that's out of, out of Christ's world and away so that they can't hurt anyone else. Don't sweep it under the carpets. Because at the end of the day, the Rashi Matos are the ones that are responsible for the door. And he goes on, and the Torah says, in the same parsha, it doesn't look like it belongs in this parsha, because it was already discussed in the parsha of Balak and the parsha of Pinchas. And it says, Take vengeance for Klai Yisrael. Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, Go out there and revenge Klai Yisrael. Take advantage, take, take, not advantage, take revenge of the Bidyanim who gathered against your people. What do you mean they gathered against the people? The Bidyanim at the end of Pashat Balak. What do they do? Allah came up with this great idea, which is not a new idea. It's happening in our generation, which we'll talk about. Let's go to the end of Balak. They bow down, they start serving about Pa'ar. She was the princess of Midian who was sent down. And Rashi says, Hamidyanis, who was it? Cosby Basur. And my Shabana was crying. And they came up with this this brilliant idea to um, send down their daughters to do Znus with Kla Yisrael. And who was she in Pasik Tesvav? 
בשם האישה המוכה, המג'ונס, קוזבי בת סור רויש, ומויס בייס אובה מג'ון הוא. She wasn't, didn't stop send the girl down, didn't stop send the girl to, to make Christ all sin. He was the head of the house of Midian. The head of the house of Midian. They sent their princess to do this Avera. Says Rashi, that it was the princess of Midian. To tell you, the, the Midianim hated us so much. They were mafkir, a, a princess to do znus. They would give up anybody, even a princess, to to do znus. Rosh Umais says Rashi, Echad Mechamesh is Malchim Midian. He was one. He was one of the five kings of Midian. Who are Yechashim Bikulam? He was the most Chashim king. Shenema Rosh Amais. Ulavishenai Bizoyin Ba'atzmai. She he did a terrible Bizoyin. Embarrassment to himself, lahafke bitoy, to 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 make hefker his daughter to do the severus. So we see that Midian would go to any just to get Kliyisrael to sin, and we lost twenty four thousand Jews. And if it wasn't for Pinchas, we would have lost we would have lost everybody. So there's a so because Baruch tells us, mikoyim nikmas bnei Yisrael, take revenge. What happened to my children? To bnei Yisrael, meis habiyanim. When you finish, um, that's the last thing Moshe Rabbeinu should do before he dies. And Moshe said, Arm yourself, men, for the army. And attack Midian in order to take the revenge of Hashem in Midian. So when Moshe spoke, he said, take the revenge of Hashem. When Hashem spoke, he said, take the revenge, the kind nikmas b'nei Yisrael. So when Hashem spoke, he said, let's get revenge for the Jews. When Moshe spoke, he said, let's get revenge for Hashem. What happened here? Now, as Chaim says, Akush Baruch came to Moshe and he said to Moshe, unbelievable. This is how the leader that Moshe was. He came to Moshe and he said to Moshe Amenu, take revenge, you know, for Klai Yisrael, that Klai Yisrael sinned. Right? He did this Avera, and you lost 24,000 Jews, go take revenge. Moshe Rabbeinu said, no, 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 Hashem. This is not to take revenge that the Jews did something wrong and they lost 24,000 people. He said to Hashem that had the Jews not been your people and kept your mitzvos, the Midianim would have never gone after us. So, don't make it look like we should go to war because we did something wrong, and because we did something wrong and we lost 24,000 people, we should go kill the people who did wrong to us. No, Hashem, it's you that they were after. That's what he said, what Avot Chaim said. They went after us, if we were Goyim, they wouldn't have done anything to us. It's you, the revenge that we're taking, we're going to war. It's not for us that we lost 24,000 people, it's revenge for what happened to you. Avot Chaim said, why is this here? Because those are the Rashi Matos, the Yisrael, the leaders of Klai Yisrael, have to protect Klai Yisrael. And, 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 and Moshe Rabbeinu was the ultimate leader. He went to Hashem, he said, no, 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 Hashem. You're right, we did an Avera, but the only reason they got us into that Avera and trapped us into the whole thing was because of you, because we are 
your children, and we are Mechabal Torah. So they weren't attacking us. They weren't interested in killing us. They were attacking you. So we're going to war, Kodesh Baruch Hu. We're going to war for you. They're attacking you. And if anybody hurts Jewish children, they're attacking God. They're not just attacking, they're attacking their Jewish kids, but they're the children of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And anybody who makes a party or takes a kid off the derech or attacks the Judaism of a, of a Jewish child or a Jewish person or physically hurts a Jewish child, those are Hashem's children. And what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying to Hashem is don't look at it like it's us. It's not us. If we weren't Jews and we weren't keeping the Torah, then all this stuff would not be happening to us. The attack is on you. Hitler was was attacking you, Hashem. The six million Jews is because we were Jews. If we weren't Jews, they wouldn't have killed us. That was his time attack on Baruch That's why he turned around the words. The words started off, Hashem said, go revenge your revenge. No. Uh-uh, said This is not about us, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Everyone that's after us, they're after you. He says something Nairidic. I want to read this from inside. By the way, that whole, this whole shot is written in a, in a sefer called the Mishle Yaakov. Because of what you did, I had to punish you. You lost 24,000 people. Oh no. If we were not keeping your mitzvahs and we were against your mitzvahs, they wouldn't have hated us. They wouldn't have ran after us. Why do they hate us? Because of your Torah. And the mitzvah that you gave us, that's their sinner. That's why they got us to sin. The Nekama that we're doing is for you. We're avenging Hashem's name in Midian. From here we learn. Who is a rabbi who's considered a manig Yisrael, a leader in Klai Yisrael? This Pasha is talking to the rabbis, to the Bezdins, to the Rosh Bezdins. And the people who support and lead Klai Yisrael. Not only in the times of Dabra Melech, but in Argolis, in Manhige, if the leaders who Panasa Yisrael and the people who support Yisrael, they're honest people and you can't buy them with bribery and they have fear of God, then everything will be okay. And he says the following four stories of leaders of Klai Yisrael and the power they had to save Klai Yisrael. And he says that there was a very big tzaddik, and he was always the shliach tzibur in the Yomim Nairam. And all the people that lived in that area, all the chassidim, would come, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, to Shul, Ubalel Kippur, and in Yom Kippur, Hayinayi Leime, as Kol Nidre Mibayyayim. We all say Kol Nidre before the stars come out, right? We say Kol Nidre Yom Kippur night. 
He made Pam Aches one time the Erbium Kippur and Erbium Kippur at the time they were saying Kol Nidre. Omad, the, 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 the Rav stood Al Habima by the Bima, Kiraga like normal. Umim Koyma Hachil, but instead of saying, starting Kol Nidre, Hischel Lipchais, he began to cry. Ubacha Kishav Achetzi, and he cried, didn't start Kol Nidre, it's dark, they're all in Shul, and the Rav, the Sadik is crying for an hour and a half. Everyone's standing there. They're freaking out. What's going on over here? Oh my gosh. He's not saying Kol Nidre. We're in big trouble this year. By the time of Zaman Kol Nidre, Kol Nidre passed. V'yor and Halayla became dark. He was still crying. And everybody was very, very nervous. All of a sudden he picked up his talus and he asked the following question. Is there someone here that knows this idol worshiper? I'm going to use the word idol worshiper throughout the whole night. Okay? So we're on tape. We're, we use the word idol worshiper. Does anyone know this idol worshiper from this and this place? There was one old man in the shul, and he said, Cain, I do, I know him. I know him very well. So the rub asked him, where are you from? And he said, I'm from this and this place that this idol worshiper lives. Um, and he used to come by our town every single day. So the rab said to him, Yeshle Kelev, does this idol worshiper have a dog? This is Yom Kippur. They didn't start calling the Dre, it's already nighttime. Amalai, yes. Kelev Echad Godomai, he has a very big dog. Omoshuna, very different. That dog that he has is bigger than a donkey. And they're all standing there, and they're like, "What is going on here? I mean, this is this is Yom Kippur. What, what's going on here?" So instead, the rub maybe cracked up. Instead of saying Kol Nidre, he's asking about a dog. It's as big as a donkey. Never heard such a thing. Okay. So he asked this. The the, the rub asked this man, "What? Tell me about him and the dog. What what does he do with the dog?" He says. We, it happens to be this dog is very big, so we happen to know we, we, it's like weird, so we, we, we watch it. He says every day, he gives it to eat. One day he, he shechs a, a young cow. One day a lamb. One day an ox. Sometimes chickens. And this dog has a special room on the roof and a, a carpet and he treats him like a person, like he, he lives like, like a person. He says, I have to tell you a story, he tells the Rav. This year, in the summer, it was it was afternoon time, and the the idol worshiper was sitting in his garden, and they brought him a, a a pig, a roasted pig, and the dog jumped and ripped a piece out of the pig, and he ate it. He says this idol worshiper got so angry that he got up and he hit the dog, and he started beating the dog till there was blood running from the dog, and he threw it out. And never let the dog come back. What's that? Yom Kippur, Michael Midre. What? Where is this going? A dog, a chazer, beat him, he threw him out. Right after he finishes saying the story, the, when the rub hears that the dog was beaten and thrown out, he begins to smile. He bangs on the bima, and he starts Kol Nidre with a niggin and with chiba, with, with love. 
and he, they never saw his iris in, in him diving like this before, and they couldn't understand what was going on. Anyway, they davened, Yom Kippur was over, and after Yom Kippur, all the chassidim came to the Rav to say gujantif, and they were all sitting there breaking their fast, and they said, L'chaim, and they said to the Rebbe, what, what's going on over here? This is the weirdest story. What were you doing for two hours? An hour and a half, two hours before Kol Nidre, a dog. What's going on here? So he says the following, which is so scary. It connects to my cheerful mastery. He says, listen to what I have to tell you. He says, in the city of Berlin, in Germany, there was a Jew. And he was very, very poor. And he was very modest. And he was very bashful. And he had one daughter. And his wife was in a lot of pain that they had no money. And she wasn't getting married. Till finally she got her husband, she told her husband, you must leave. You must collect Hachnas's Kala in order that I can't see my daughter suffer like this anymore. In order that, that she can get a Shidduch. So he got up and he went through the whole town of Berlin and he mamish didn't make any money at all. So he went into shul, and he started to cry, and he started to learn. And it was three months that he had traveled for money, to collect money, and Mamish put nothing together. People gave him nothing, and he put nothing together. Anyway, one day, he was on his way back home to tell his wife, no one's giving me, no one's giving me tzedakah these days, business is not good, and we just, we don't have the money, she's not going to get married. And he didn't have anything to eat that day. And he was walking through a field going towards his, towards his house. And sitting in this field, he sat down on the floor and he began to cry to, cry to Hashem. I, I'm broken. I'm coming home. My wife thinks after three months, I have nothing. I didn't even eat today. I'm starving. And this idol worshiper comes walking by. And he sees his Jew sitting there crying. So he asked him, why are you crying? So he told this idol worshiper what what he was going through and that he has no money so he asked him the non-Jewish idol worshiper asked him how much, is it, how much do you need to, to, to get your daughter engaged and married he says for sure I need at least 300 ruble he said come come into the garden it happens to be my garden I'll get you the money he gave him a chair he brought him bread and cookies he brought him fruit he knew that he knew that the Jew would not eat and he was food, so he brought him fruit, he brought him water to wash, and he brought him 500 ruble. He only asked for 300, he gave him 500 ruble, and he went home very, very happy. Rabbi Sai, he said, when I got up tonight, Yom Kippur, to say Kol Nidre, Reisi I saw, Shahasa Shal Hagai that the, the malach of this idol worshiper, he was saying witness against Yisrael. And I saw that it made a very big, terrible judgment in Shemayim. But Imram, the malachim was saying, How could it be that the people of Berlin had no pity on this poor man? And this idol worshiper, Right? Saved three Jews. The father and the wife and, 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 and the daughter. 
and we know that Kol Mekayim Nefesh be Yisrael, anyone with Mekayim one Nefesh, right? He said it was a very big kitrig. I saw this in Shemayim. I had I saw in Ruach Hakodesh. I had no terrace to the Kisei Kavoy, the Kisei Rachamim, the Kisei Din, and I realized that the whole Jewish nation is being judged. And I don't have an answer. The people of Berlin, he went around collecting for three months, he got nothing. And this idol worshiper gave him 500 ruble and to drink and to eat and treated him correctly. And the Jewish people didn't treat him correctly. That we were very big trouble in Shemayim. So I began to cry. And I saw that there was a terrible Zera, Al-Ir Berlin, in the city of Berlin. And no matter, no matter what I cried and no matter how much I begged and no matter what I said in Shemayim, there was, I had no power against this terrible edict that was against Kaisrael. Abel, he said, when you told me what happened with the dog, so then I turned around to Hashem and I said, one second. One second. He had a dog and the dog, he fed it every single day and he gave it its own room and he gave it carpet. But the minute that the dog did something he didn't like he beat it and he threw it out that's the raya that's the kind of person you want to bring a kitchen to Kleishol so yeah he's a very nice guy and he gives stuff but the minute you do something he doesn't like he beats you and he, and he throws you out that you're going to use as a kitchen against Kleishol we don't do that so he said And he did this to a, a dog who saw the pig, so he ate from it. He doesn't even understand why he shouldn't. And he beats him and he throws him off. If this Jew would have stayed there in his house and he would have made a mistake, he would have killed him. You can't, he said in Shemayim, you can't bring me a raya from such a person that could beat up an animal like that. Miyad Niftala Hagzera. Immediately the Gzer was broken. And Hashem opened the Shahirachamim, and that's when I started davening. Umikan Bahala, he says, this is and this is what I talked about last week about the people who are sitting outside the shuls and they're collecting money or they come to shul. Umikan Bahala, he says, Mazir Eschem, I'm warning you. To be very careful with the poor people of your city. Help them. And, and, and because you don't know, if we don't help them, and then someone else who, who's an idol worshiper helps them, then there's a very big kitchen on Klai So you have to be very careful. Even if a non-Jewish person is collecting it, there's a mitzvah to give them tzedakah also, it says. He says there's a story, he, he's trying to bring... Um, He's trying to bring a proof on the responsibility that Sadiqim have for their door. Had he not done that, then Berlin would have probably been wiped out at that time. So, okay, so that's one story. Another story, he says like this, very fascinating story. First, he brings from a, he brings from a, from a medrash. This is this is unbelievable. This is mamish mamish Abbas Chaim was written a long time ago, and this is mamish our day and age. Not that long ago, probably about sixty years ago. 
Amr Rabbi Shua ben Levi. This is a medrash. Oy lehem l'rasham. Oy to the rasham. Shem chayshman eitzitz was a Yisrael. They're always thinking of doing bad things to Klai Yisrael. V'chel echad v'echad oy matzotzi yofen matzotzcha. Each one who tries to destroy us says, he's smarter than the one before him. He says like this. Paro Amar. Paro said, Shaita Haya Esav. Esav was a fool. Why? Sha'amar, Esav said, Esav said, Yikrivu, Yemei, Evel Avi. I'm not gonna bother Yaakov until my father dies. Vlo Yoda, said, said Paro, what is he stupid? Esav, Vlo Yoda, Shiyakov, Paro, Rabba, Bechai, Avim. He didn't realize that Yaakov's gonna have more kids while his father's still alive. So, so of course, he'll kill, he'll kill Yaakov, and Yaakov will have Shvatim at that point. I need no Isaacin. I'm not going to do that. Paro said, "I'm smart." I'm not going to kill one of them. I kill every boy so that there'll be no no boys left. Yeah, but he did, that didn't work. Yeah, but Isaac said, "I'm not." He tried. He sent an assassinator. What? Didn't he send a leaflet? Yes, he did send a leaflet, but he said, he, 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 in other words, no one could pin it to him. A leaflet would have killed him, nobody would have known. Asaph said, I'm not killing him. I'm, he tried. He tried. He said, that's what the Pasuk says. He said, I'm going to wait. You can read, you may have a love. I'm going to wait till my father dies. I don't want them saying that I, you know, my father, what's if Asaph killed him? So Yaakov would have just died and he would have never known about it. But he wasn't going to kill him. So Paro said, ah, you're not smart. I threw all the kids. Okay. Came home in Russia and said, Paro, you're a shaita. You gonna kill all the boys? Didn't you know that the women, Jews, Jews go by the women, right? So killing the boys is not gonna help. And that the women are gonna have many, many children. There can be many more Jews. I'm smarter. I need lawyers that came. I'm gonna destroy children, women, and husbands. I'm smarter than them. Okay. He says, after this my name knew, but now in our times, the times of the war of Gregor Magog, and this is what he says, Anglia, America, Russia, Asia, Europa, all of them. I see them lema, they're gonna say, They're idiots. All the people who try to fight the Jewish nation, they don't know that they have a protector in Shemayim. Right? She, he said, most of the world learns the, the Old Testament. They know all the stories on how God saved us. So they said, now, we're not going to do what they did to try to kill the Jews physically. We're going to do something else. What are we going to do? He says, we're going to make them do Averis. He says the following. When Paro saw that Klai Yisrael was above Teva, he said, I see that they have a, who watches them and he takes care of them. Right? He says, but, that's on Klaistral. But if we're going to start living in their culture, listen to their music, dress like them, talk like them, buy their machinery, watch their movies, right? So then, we're going to cut 
the connection between Klai Yisrael and God, like we see by Zimri ben Saloi, that the whole Klai Yisrael within the Sakhon, if Pinchas wouldn't have saved us, we would all die. He says, the war of Gregor Magog, no, you think what he says here, the war of Gregor Magog that we talk about all the time is in order to get Hashem angry at us. And if he gets angry at us, Yazir is Yisrael. Then he will let the Jews go, and then we can be destroyed. And it says, They say, The people who try to destroy the, 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 the Nazis and the Spanish Inquisition and the Crusades and all the, and the Romans and the Greeks and the Babylonians, they didn't know how to fight Israel. We know. How? We're going to show the Jewish people that we're their friends. To fool them, to assimilate them and bring us into them. To to do what the Erev Rav did. That's what we're going to do first. Listen to this. This was written a while ago. To give the Jews freedom. And that the Jews should not criticize other Jews who don't keep Shabbos, right? And and if a person wants to get up and he wants to talk about texting on Shabbos and he wants to talk about all these other things, what's going to happen? Erev Rav, the, the other Jews that are Erev Rav, they're going to go after us because they have the Malachi Chabal or whatever. And the ones who want preachers that women should be with men and men with women and watch pornography and do whatever you want and walk half undressed in the land. Yeah, no problem. You can do whatever you want. And the asponim of children being fresh to their parents and to older people. No problem. What they don't understand is that Kleistrol is still B'nai Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov. And even though we have all this, by the way, I saw something very, very, very scary from Rav Chaim Vital. It's not scary. It's Rav Chaim, um, he says the following. He says Rav Chaim Vital that if you know somebody who is a Mahdi, which means somebody who makes parties, rents apartments for boys and girls, and does all this, he says, I am made, says Rav Chaim Vital, the Talmud, of Arizal. I am made that he's not a Jew. I am made that that person is a child from the Erev Rav. A person who's a Mahdi, he says, I say Edus, that he is not from the Bnei Yisrael that left Mitzrayim, because from the Bnei Yisrael that left Mitzrayim, it's not in the Neshama to be Mahdi. But the, the organizers of these websites and these parties and these things that draw Jews out of their place, Said, I say, Adis, that these are the Erev Rav. And at the end of the t- end of time, what the Erev Rav did when Kleistro came out of a triumph, that was all the complaints, the mon, the water, the Egel, they will do again. That's the end of time of Mashiach. They will do the same thing again. As the Malachamavas, as the Satan is losing his life, he wants to take as many Jews down. And they did that when we left the triumph. How many Jews died because of them? They're going to do it again. So you know somebody that's putting together a party, to one of these websites and all these other terrible things, and he's a machti. You know, not that he's sitting with a girl, but he's, he's getting the apartment to bring all the girls and boys together. That is not a Jew. 
That is not a that is not a, that is not an neshama of what he says. That is not an neshama of Klal that left Mitzrayim. That is an neshama of the Eir of Rav coming back to this world. It's pretty scary because I know some guys like that, and it's pretty scary to look at them and know that they're not they're not they they didn't leave Mitzrayim. They're, they're, they're the they're the guys that should have stayed in Mitzrayim. So he says like this. He says Neiru day. No, he he is causing Jewish people to sin. He's taking them out of the Torah mitzvah. It's his, that's that's his thing. Yeah, that's his thing. It's one thing. It's, it's a very big difference between a, being a person who sins. Okay, I, I got my stuff. To, you know, I got my stuff, and I can't always win my war with the evil inclination. But when I decide that I'm not just going to sin, I want everyone in this room has to sin. That's a different spirit. That's coming from a different. That's coming from a different place. So that's that's you know I'm doing it. I want to do it alone. My friend does it with me. We, we've discussed this many times because if if. If he doesn't do it, then why aren't, why can't I be like him? Why can't I change? So I'd rather take him down than me to come up. A guy who stopped smoking, right? If I can get him to smoke again, I don't have to feel bad that I'm not, that I didn't stop smoking. So it's much easier for me to get him to smoke again than for me to stop smoking. But we're talking about the arrangers. In other words, it's not just me and him and it's, 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 I keep arranging these parties. It's, we spoke about this, the New Year's parties, all these parties to get guys to eat trade, to do whatever. There's an organization, I'm not going to talk about the, the name of the organization, but this organization, all it does, this organization, well, I, I don't have a problem, footsteps, all they do and all they're interested in footsteps is to take Jewish children from Jewish homes, and these are Jewish people, and have them eat chazer on Yom Kippur and have them do every immoral thing that they can in the name of educating them, the Hasidim who can't speak English, to educate them, their tachlis is to rip Yiddishkeit out of the Hasidic world. That is Erev Rav. That is not someone who felt, well, I'm doing it because of someone else. They, they are an organization. They are Erev Rav. And when Mashiach comes, it will be very clear to everybody. Their whole thing is to rip Yiddishkeit out of these Hasidic kids. Okay, anyway, um, so he says, he says, he says, Hashem says, Hashem says that you, you're making a big mistake. It's beautiful. He says to the to the guy, he says, "You think that by getting my children to sin against me, that I will leave them? You're making a very big mistake." He says, "I will fight the war of Klai Yisrael, the Jews, and I'm not going to get angry at them. But what? All the sins that they're doing, you got them to sin. You thought that would separate you from them, me from them? Just the opposite." You got them to sin, it's going to be on your cheshman. Because you did this on purpose. So we need, we need to know, we know, and we need to know that, that as bad or whatever you want to say, we're not bad, but even when we sin, because Baruch is not giving us up. That's for sure. He's definitely not going to give us up. Okay. There's, I don't have time to go through all the different stories. There is a story here. Um, there is a story that I say every year, which I think is very important, and that is a story. And then I want to tell you two things that happened today, actually, which is, I think, Hashem gave me like this time I wrote it down. Hashem Mamish 
Tumor Shalom, which are, which are, which are very, very fascinating. On, the, on this Indian of, of trying to get our kids to, and, 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 they, and listen, I'm going to tell you the truth. Uh, there's a lot of kids that come to me and they're like, they're very disconnected, very disconnected from Hashem and very disconnected from life. And, and I will tell you a story that happened today. But before that, this week's Pasha talks about Nadarim promises. You have to be very careful. Um, there was a very big Makubal that I was very close to. His name was Machuf Lasri. All of us shalom's He he died when he was about 105 years old. He was an amazing Makubal, very, very big tzaddik. And and he was, he was very scary because because he walked into the room and he started screaming. Like I went in with a friend of mine and he started screaming, take the shiksa out. And I'm looking at my friend and I'm like, I don't see any women here. Like, what are you talking about? He wasn't he was sitting on that side all that far to that wall we were here. He was screaming at me, don't, I don't want her here. And I'm like, it's not a her. What are you talking about? And he went crazy. Mamish went crazy. He was like, screaming, get out, get out, get out. So I said, me? He said, no, him, out. I, I don't want to, I don't want you, my brother. I don't want him near me. So I went outside and I, and I said, whoa, what, what's going on? And he said, um, uh, one time I was with a, you know, I had physical relations with a non-Jew, but how could he see that? I'm like, I don't know, but he, not only he sees that you did it out of error, he sees her. And then in Kabbalah, later on, this was many years ago, he talked, it, it's a klipa, and he saw the klipa, and he went crazy. So he ran to the mikvah, this guy, Machluf had a mikvah. He ran to the mikvah, he went down like 25 times, didn't, didn't let him in the room, did not let him in the room. He still saw her, didn't get rid of her. So, so, you know, there's a there's a klipa, and it's uh, it's very scary that he that he was able to you know to see that. But I went in there with a relative of mine, and he started screaming at her. Why are you using Hashem's name in vain? Now, this person always used to say, "Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God!" Not "Oh my gosh," but "Oh my God!" And he said Hashem's name all the time, and I always told this person. Don't use Hashem's name in vain. You can't just say that. You're not allowed to use that name. It's not really Hashem's name. It's not in Hebrew. I'm like, no, it's, a, it's the name of Hashem. You can't say that name, whatever it is. He saw that the minute this person walked in. He said, do you want to talk to me? You have to stop using Hashem's name. You're using it in vain, whatever it is. He saw that right away. person has to be very, very careful what comes out of your mouth. This week's parsha talks about promises. Making a nether, making a promise, giving your word and not keeping your word. A person's word, the way I was brought up by my father, a person's word is who he is. Period. He was a, okay, he was a soldier, but, but that was what we learned as kids. Your word, not your handshake, not your signature on a piece of paper. When you give somebody a word, that's who you are. If you keep your word, then you're an honorable person. If you don't keep your word and you break your word, you are not, you are a dishonest person. I didn't steal anything. I just told him I was going to be there and I wasn't there. No, you couldn't do that in my house. My father was a man of his word. A person's word is very powerful. It creates, when you, when you say something, it creates angels. It's not, we are above, um, daimem rocks, tzameach plants, and, and chai, live animals, and the whole fish, animals, insects, everything. We are called medaber. So our strength is the ability to speak. So we can create by speaking, and we can destroy by speaking. So this week's parsha is a parsha about being careful what comes out of your mouth. Now, this is a fascinating story, and I've said this before, but I don't know how many years ago. 
It's a fascinating story about, about the, the Baditchev Rebbe. He says that Rabbi Yitzchak Halevi Baditchev, that he used to be, everyone in, in the town used to make him sandik. He was the, he was the, he was the, he was the Rebbe. So they would make, they used to, Brismili is supposed to make, if the kid's okay and healthy, you're supposed to make it as early as you can, even if it's Sunday. Because it's a, it's a, it's a big thing to make, to, you know, we know that, that by Yashkem of Baboker, when he went to do the mitzvah by Kedat Sitzchak, he got up very early. When you love something, you get up early. Who else got up very early? Paro got up very early and saddled his own donkey when he went after the Jews, right? So if you're into something, you want to, so, so he used to do, he used to always, after Shachris, he would, um, he would do the bris right away, early in the morning. One time, his daughter gave birth, and everybody came to the bris, and he finished davening, and he, they went into the house to do the bris milah, and he said, wait for me, he had a cheder, a certain room next to the shul, all the rabbis have a room next to the shul, and he locked himself in there, and he was there for four hours. And everybody who came to the bris is standing waiting for the baby for four hours, and it's four hours after Shachris. So something's wrong. So they were all going crazy. They ain't savlanis. They couldn't wait. When is he going to come out? Anyway, the father of the baby, which was his son-in-law, was also going crazy. They had this baby standing. Everybody's waiting there for four hours. Anyway, all that was left were ten people, a minion from the whole group. And finally he came out. After four hours, he they mauled the baby and he... And instead of when, when you're when you're by a bris, so so if you're holding the baby when they name it, so the person holding the baby who's called the 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 sandik ma'umud, the one who's holding it, so you turn to the person to ask the person for the name of the child. Well, he didn't ask; he just named the child without asking the father what the name should be, and he called him Yehuda Leib. They had a different name picked out, right? So. <laughs> This was this was his son-in-law standing next to him, like about to give him the name. And he's like, "The color Shemayi Yisrael, Yehuda Leib." He didn't look. What's the name, right? So they got very upset. They got very upset, but it's the Baditchi Bereva, so he was quiet. Anyway, they make the party, and in the middle of the party, the son-in-law turns to his father-in-law to the Rebbe, and he says, "I have two questions. One, why four hours?" And two, why did you call him Yehuda Leib? I had a different name. And I made up already a different name. So, he says, I'll tell you the reason. Listen to this, unbelievable. He says, when I was coming to shul this morning, I saw a black cloud. And I saw in the cloud, Ruach HaKodesh, that there was something going on. So after davening, I went into my room, and I said my whatever I had to say, he said, and I heard on the other side of the of the curtain in Shemayim, Achrei Pargod it's called, I heard that a big tzaddik died, and his name was Rabbi Yehudalev, the Apta Rebbe, from Apta. And when he died, what was all the cloud, what was all the action? When he died, Yotzekito Tzadikim Meganeiden. Many groups of tzaddikim came out of Gan Eden with musical instruments. To the Makabal, the Nisham of the of the of the Rebbe, Yudalei And he says, you know that tzaddikim like this, when they go to Gan Eden, they have to still go through Gehenna. 
um, the, there's a bridge through Gehenim to get to Ganeiden. And the reason that even Sadiqim have to walk through Gehenim to get to Ganeiden is because bottom line is if they were the Sadiqim of the Dar, so the people in Gehenim were there from their Dar, they have to be they have to sympathize with their pain. So they can't just fly into Ganeiden and not see what their Dar is suffering. So they have to go through. So he's walking on this bridge to Gehenim. And Upitom, all of a sudden, with all these people, he runs away from all the other tzaddikim that came to meet him, and he jumps into hell. He jumps into Gehenim, into the fire. So, what's going on over here? So, he, the, the, the tzaddikim said to him, What are you doing? You jumped into the fire. Why are you jumping into the fire? So, he said to them, I need Nitzabaila MS. He says, I am now in the in the world of truth. I need made alatsmi. He said, I am saying Adis on myself that my whole life, Kiyamti Loyakal Devari, I never lied. That I also used to save um, many Jews. I learned this from Akash Baruchu, who saved six hundred Thousand Jews from Mitzrayim, and it says, and therefore I saved Jews, and therefore it's like I saved the whole world. And it says, and it says that if a tzaddik says something, Hashem has to keep it. Therefore, I am not leaving Gehenim until I'm able to save some of the souls that are sitting in Gehenim. <laughs> So the tzaddikim went in front of Hashem. What should we do with him? He jumped into Gehenim and he doesn't want to leave with empty hands. Okay. Hashem said, "Now you have to understand that Gehenim, Gehenim was turned off." He says here because once the tzaddik jumped into it, he, he can't suffer. So Hashem had to turn off they, they had to, the, the malach of Gehenim had to turn off the whole fire. So he's not happy. So Let's see how many people he saved in the other world. Whatever he saved in the other world, we'll see. He saved 220 Jews, their lives. So then we'll give him permission to save that many. What did he do? Yorad b'mado hashvi. He went to the seventh level of Gehenim. Those are the those are the neshamas in the seventh level. It's called tahoim, and it's not eleven months or twelve months. It's forever. They don't get out. So he went to get them out. So he took double. Hashem said he could take two hundred and twenty. He took four hundred and forty. And umichol madar shahayoyle. Every level he left, he took from there also. The angel said, what are you doing? You already took more than double. He said, this is a present. I'm asking Hashem for a present. And, they, and he took him into Gan Eden. When I saw the koyach of this tzaddik, I decided to call my grandson by his name, Rabbi Yehuda Leib, that he should grow up like him. Now in the story it says, what they did 
when they came to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem said that you need to go and find out if he ever lied. Because he, when he was in Gehenna, he said, I am not leaving, I'm not leaving unless I take as much as I saved in this world. So the, the Satan said, the, if he lied, you know, so, 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 so HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, we can't take Tzadik and make him into a liar. If he says, I'm not leaving until I save as many, we can't make him into a liar, right? So, so we have to let him do it. So the Satan said, yeah, but if he lied in this world, right, then I have a right to make him lie in that world. In other words, if he's a liar here, then even though he said, I'm not leaving, I can make him a liar and throw him out and not let him save anybody. So they went and they checked his books in this world. And the Apti Rebbe in his whole life never said a lie. And since he never said a lie in this world, the Sultan could not force him to say a lie in the other world. And therefore he was able because to save. And it's interesting because when the Malach came to Hashem, he says inside, I don't want to read all of it from inside. The Malach came to Hashem and said, one second, you said 220, he's taking 440. That's not the deal. So Hashem said, it's the Malach's right. You saved 220. So he said to Hashem, I didn't have more money and you didn't give me more life. Had you given me more money and you had given me a longer life, I would have saved much more. You know that the only reason I didn't save more was the time and the money. But if I would have had more, you would have let me save more. So my ruach was to save as much as I can. So as he was traveling through the other seven levels, he just took as much as he can. Because that's who I am in this world. And we learn from this and many other stories, who you are in this world is who you are in the next world. You're a liar in this world, and you have nothing to stand on. If you talk by davening in this world, then and then it's, it's then when people come to you, to your grave after 120 years, your family, they need a shidduch, they need a panasa, somebody's sick, and they're like, Dad, please go to Shemayim, and please daven to Hashem for us, to be a male Yaisha, you can't be, because the minute you get up to talk, the mouth's going to say, you, davening to Hashem? When you were in that world, you were a talker. You were busy on your phone. What you want in this world? Goodbye, you have nothing to say. They're wasting their time. They can stand by your bait, by your stone for their whole lives. They're wasting your time. Your mouth is closed because it's me that can negate me to what you are here. You are talking about davening here, then you are talking about davening there. You can't talk. They're not going to let you talk to Hashem. Because you, when you, when you, what do you mean? All of a sudden now you're davening? Because you, because you need a, because your grandchildren need a shit up? So now you're davening? One second, you didn't daven in this world. You can't daven in that world if you didn't daven in this world. It's the same thing. It's very scary. God is very into Nida, Kenegad, Nida. Okay, we'll end. I'll tell you what happened today. So I'm talking to this girl. She's really a nice girl. From a nice from family. I don't want to be religious anymore. I don't want to be religious anymore. I'm like, what do you mean you don't want to be religious anymore? I don't want to be religious anymore. Wait one second. I went to seminary, high school, yeshiva, from family. What does it mean to be religious? You're telling me you don't want to be religious anymore. First, you've got to tell me what is religious. Then we can figure out if you really want to be religious or not. She says, you know, I don't want to be religious anymore. I'm like, could I ask you, is being religious, uh, and when I say religious, uh, any any 
You can be a Christian and be religious, right? She, what she was trying to say is a from girl. I don't want to be from anymore. I want to wear short skirts. I don't think I want to keep Shabbos. I want to go to eat in any restaurant if I want. I, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I, 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 I'm done. I'm done, Ski. For whatever reason, whatever reasoning is, I'm out of here. I don't want, I don't want any part of this. And, and there's a lot of kids out there today that are saying the same thing without saying it out of their mouth. But their actions show it. I, I don't want this anymore. You know, if, if, if my skirt can be three inches shorter and I can get away with it, I'll get away with it. I don't want this anymore. I don't want to go to shul. I don't want to dive into so many kids today that I'm dealing with boys that don't want to go to shul on Shabbos. That didn't exist when I was growing up. They just don't want to go to shul. They don't go to shul with their father. They sit at home. They sleep. They read. I don't know what they do. Maybe they're watching. I don't know what they're doing. They just don't want to go to shul. Nobody wants to go to shul anymore. The older people go to shul, but the, the younger kids, they don't want to go to shul anymore. They're not drinking. They're not drinking age, so why should they go to shul? But, not, you know, they have no reason to go to shul. So, so there's this, this like, and this is what I'm speaking about so much, is there's a total disconnect. So he said, tell me, what's the problem? Rules. The Jewish religion and being from has too many rules. I said, so what you're telling me is that being a Jewish religious person, from person, means you have a lot of rules. She goes, yes. I said, let me tell you, and I never said this before, this was sent in today. I said, I'm going to tell you something interesting, a thought process that I had. So I took my little daughter last week to get a permit. Right? She's 16, let's go get a permit. So there's a book. And this book... You have to study to get your permit. And it has many, many, many rules. Left turn, right turn, stop sign, inch up, stop, yield sign. There are so many rules. Speed limits, construction limits, how much uh, drinking, seat belts, um, Going on a ramp, getting onto the highway, going on a ramp, getting off to the highway from a 55 to a 30. So can I ask you a question? If I asked you, what is driving? What does it mean to drive? You would tell me to be able to have a motor vehicle and take it from point A to point B. I might... Why wouldn't you tell me driving is a bunch of rules? There's probably 613 rules in driving. For sure. There is. If you read the book, there is. There's, there's stuff we don't even know. Hand signals. And there's at least 613 rules. How come if I go into the street and I ask a 100 people, explain to me driving, none of them would say driving is a bunch of rules. Driving is not a bunch of rules. Driving is getting from point A to point B. But in the driving, there's a bunch of rules. Because if you don't have those rules, we're going to all be crashing to each other. So a red light is stopped, a yellow is slowed down, green means to go, pedestrian crosses, and they have all these signs that you have when you read the book and they show it to you in the test. Pedestrian crosses, railroad crossing, dump trucks. They have crazy stuff, right? Pass on the right, you can't pass on the left. They have 613 rules. But not one person in the world, you ask them, what is driving? It's going to tell you, driving? It's a bunch of rules. They're going to tell you, driving is great. I love to drive. Driving is getting from one place to another place fast. How come there's 613 rules and nobody calls it rules? Because driving is not rules. 
driving is getting from one place to the other. The rules are to help you get from one place to the other safely. I say, what? That kind of Baruchu is the most amazing marshal I've ever heard in my life, even if it's my own. <laughs> Tyra, Judaism, religious, is getting from one place to the other. From when you were born to Eilam Haba to Mashiach. Along the way, there are rules to get you there safely. Exactly the same thing. But we're teaching our children that the Torah and the mitzvahs, the, the essence of it is a bunch of rules and you're getting no place. You're getting a good mark on your test. You're getting a 98 in commission, a 20, uh, 100 in Gemara and a good shidduch. You're getting no place. So we're teaching them all the rules. We're not teaching them the essence. The essence of driving is to get me from here to there. Yes, I have a stop sign. Yes, I have to change my oil. Yes, I have, I have to use a certain uh, 97 gas tank. Yes, I have all these crazy rules and all the parts of the car. And there's so many parts about getting from here to here. The gas, the throttle, the oil, the wheels. There's a million different parts of this besides the book on all the rules. But that's not the essence. The essence is not the car. This is to get me from New York to the Catskills. The essence of Yiddishkeit is to get you from when you're born till the day you die to get to a higher level in spirituality. So we have to get you there safely. So we have 613 rules in the permit book that you have to study in order to get your license. That's the problem today. The problem is, you ask a kid what Yiddishkeit is, he says rules. You ask a kid what driving that's super great. I love it. It gets me from one place to the other. You get on a plane. Oh my gosh. Get on a plane. She gets up there in front of you. And in case of this, you pull this and you pull that and you pull this and the thing comes down, put it on your mouth before your kid's mouth. Turn off your phone. Turn off your cell phone. Turn off this phone. Tell her it's 40,000 feet. Seatbelt like keeps lagging. Nobody ever told you. Uh, so tell me, what, what is it like? What, you know, it, translate to me. What's a flight? What's a flight? Everyone will tell you. Flight? You go on an airplane, and you go from New York to Israel in nine and a half hours. It's amazing. Here you go, someone tell you. So tell me, I, I was ever on a plane. What's a flight? It's a bunch of rules, man. You got to put on your seatbelt. You got to take off your seatbelt. You, 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 you got to turn off your phone. You got to turn off your, 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 your tape recorder. You got to turn this off. And then, then you, you know, there's, there's a, a, a oxygen from there. And then there's this thing you put on, and you got to pull the, the red tab to make to inflate. And then you got to blow into the red thing in case it doesn't inflate. Then you got to hit the, you got to turn on the light, right? And, and they're sitting up there, and they have all these rules. And, and then also this turbulence, put on your seatbelt. Put off your seatbelt, no smoking. It's a penalty in the back if you smoke. It's $500, and you can get 25, you know, days in jail. And they have all this stuff, and they have a whole paper. You open it up, and it's a 747. It's got two engines, and they have this kind of thrust, and it's at 40,000 feet, and all kinds of stuff. And did anyone ever tell you that when you asked them what's a flight? Any of that stuff? <laughs> Anybody ever tell you when you ask them what's a flight, put on your seatbelt? Well, there's an oxygen mask that comes down, and you have to take care of yourself before you take care of your kid, right? Nobody ever tells you why, because that's not what's a flight. A flight's not about a flight attendant and dinner and, 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 and JetBlue with blue potato chips. You know, that's not, what a, that's not what a flight's about. Flights to get me from here to Florida. On the flight? Yeah, there are wings, there's aeronautics, there's, there's wheels, there's this, there's that, there's rats, there's emergency exits, and it's behind me too, and in front of me too, and two over there, and two over there, and I hope I never have to use them, and, ah, uh, what, there's a million? Every, every, any, you ask somebody what's a flight? No, because a flight is to get you from point A to point B, so I could talk about 
it's a fast flight, it's a short flight, but I'm not going to talk about all the rules on the flight because that's not what the flight is about. That's just to get me from point A to point B. So we took our religion and took and, and took Frumkite and Yiddishkeit and we, we lost the flight, we lost the drive, and we're just interested in the rules. So of course if you told someone to go to Florida, there are 115 rules you have to keep on the plane. I'm not going on that plane. Of course if you told someone to drive, by the way, you know, you need to know 613 laws. I'm not driving. If you tell someone, driving is amazing. By the way, you, you know, to get a license, you need to study this. Fine, no big deal. That's not the essence of driving. It's not the essence of Yiddishkeit. It's not, essence is not the rules. The essence of Yiddishkeit and, and what we're supposed to be teaching our children in the Siddur and in davening and in learning is the essence of that is life. Now, you want to get through life? Here's how you get through life. But not, here's how you get through life, but it has nothing to do with life. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just about, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of, and I'll end with this, because Hashem just sent this, me this idea. It's sort of me telling you, I want you to study the book. I want you to take a part. I want you to know every single part of a car. You hear me? I want you to know every single part of a car. And I want you to study the whole book for the permit. All the rules, left, right, everything, hand signals, everything. I want you to know, I want you to know everything. But I'm not putting gas in the car. You're not going anywhere. Which one of us would waste the time to study all that stuff, right? We know everything about a car and everything, but there's no gas in the car. We're not going, you're not going anywhere. I just want you to study it. I want you to know it, but you're not going anywhere. I want you to, know, I want you to take that test, but you know what? You're getting a permit and you're getting a, but you're getting a license, but you know, I'm never going to let you drive ever, ever. So what? You're going to, you're going to, you're going to study it for what? What am I studying it for? <laughs> not to drive? So, so they're looking at it that if that's, if, if all the rules and all the stuff that we're teaching them, but it's, there's no life in it, so I have no life, I'm, a, I, I'm dead, it's boring, it's stupid, shop, it's no good, all the stuff is no good, everything's no good, so then of course I don't want to study Gemara, and of course I don't want to study Chumash, because if, if Torah and Yiddishkeit is life, so I, I want to get there safely, and I want to know how to get point to a point two, that's fantastic, I, I learned about the engines, I go from zero to sixty in four seconds, but what's a car that goes from zero to sixty in four seconds, but has no gas, it's a waste of time, why'd you spend all that money on a car, it's not going anywhere. So when we're teaching our children and everybody else that Yiddishkeit is not going anywhere, it's not life, just a bunch of rules. That's why we have young children saying to me, I don't want to be religious. I don't, I don't want to learn, I don't want to get a permit and not drive. I'm not interested in knowing all the parts of a car if I can't drive, all the parts of a plane if I can't be in it to fly. <coughs> and I ended with her. And I said, let me tell you what Yiddishkeit is. And this is what I'm telling you all. This is what Yiddishkeit is. And I've said it to you many times. Yiddishkeit is connection to God. Now, God, why do you care if I tie my shoes, the left shoe first and the right shoe second, or vice versa, put on my right shoe first, and if I wear tzitzes and all this stuff? I don't understand. So I told her, I told her a story, and I said, I have to tell you a story. So this guy, this father is sending his daughter off to seminary. You know, you sort of don't hear from them after that. You know, they, they go to Israel, no, and they're like a guy, and they have friends, and they're busy like camp, you know, they're not calling you. But the father really loved his daughter very much, and he didn't want to lose that connection, but he understood 
that she has a life and which most, most of us fathers would not understand but she has a life because we don't like to go, let go of our daughters she has a life she has friends she's going to Israel so we understood that she's not going to call him every day dad what's going on because she's very busy so we came up with a master plan he said to her I'm going to let you go to seminary I'm going to pay for everything whatever you need flights everything on one condition she's like oh here we go what's the condition I want you to light a candle for me every night before you go to sleep one of those tea candles just say I'm lighting this candle for my tati and go to sleep she's like that's so strange why that's what you want me to do he says well, are you okay are you sick are you dying are you like, she's all nervous like what well, you know something going on is this, is this is this secret is this you know he says no that's all I want you agree that's the deal you have to sign a piece of paper that's what you're going to do I take care of everything she says is it, is it Kabbalistic he goes no fine so she comes to the seminary and she goes to her room and she's got her three friends and she sits down and she takes out this tea light the first night and they're like what are you doing she goes listen it's going to sound very foreign to you and I don't know why he wants me to do this but I made a deal with my father that every night that I'm in seminary I'm going to light a candle for him and they're like huh is he dying? No. Is he Makubal? No. That's weird. Why would he do that? She goes, I have no idea. I have no, I, he wouldn't tell me. I have no idea. My father never did, never did anything like this before. Okay, so she lights the candle. This is from my father, Chaim. I don't know why you want me to do this. And this goes on a whole year. Every single night, she keeps her word. Every single night except Friday night, you know. Lights the candle for my father, for my father, for my father. Kids in her room think she's nuts. The head of the seminary thinks her father is a crackpot, right? Whatever it is. Maybe he's a Wallerstein follower and he does his kubble, makubble lighting candles at night. Who knows what he's doing, right? Everybody thinks she's She comes home. She's 19 years old, right? She says, Dad, can I ask you? Why did you make me light a candle every night? He said, I knew every single night for one second before you went to sleep, you thought of me. You lit that candle, you said my name. It was guaranteed that every single night, I didn't want one day to go by that we would not be connected. She said, that's it? No Kabbalah? Nothing? He goes, nothing. I just knew that every time you lit that candle before you went to sleep, you said my name, and when you say someone's name, you see their face. You thought about me for one second. That's it. She goes, that's it? He goes, that's it. That's all Hashem wants. That's all he wants. That when you put on your shoe for that second, you have a mitzvah to put your right shoe on. I have to put on my right shoe before my left shoe. I have to think that it's a mitzvah from Hashem. I'm connected to him. I put on my tzitzes. I make a bracha on my soda. I say bracha to Hashem. Hashem says, I just want you to think of me one second at a time, but I want you to think of me every single day in every single different action. You're in the field, you're doing peya, and, the, and the, you have to think of me because there's a mitzvah peya like it. You're in shul, you're davening. You go to sleep, how you lay, which side you lay on, the right side, the left side, how you lay in bed, how you take a shower, everything that you do, how you take a haircut, when you take a haircut, when you can't shave, you look in the mirror in the morning, you're like, I can't shave, it's for three weeks, you're connected to me. Shem said, that's all I want, I just want to be connected to you 24-7, from the day you're born to the day you die, and then after. That's all, that's all it is, that's what Yiddishkeit is, no Kabbalah, no craziness, that's what Yiddishkeit is, Yiddishkeit is, being Judaism is, being religious, being a Jew, is being connected to God every single second, and He tells you how to. 
just like the father. Sure, if the father would have said to his daughter, listen, I want you to think of me every single night in, in seminary. Yes, dad, I don't need no, I don't need no candle. Of course I'll think of you. The first week, the second week, the third week, after that, forget it. So, because Baruch knows that. And he knows that we're humans, and we're going to forget. So, he gave us 613 times that we could be connected to him all the time in every which way. Not all of us, some are Kahanim, some are Levim, some are butchers. We all, some are businessmen. You can't take ribbons, you can't. In every walk of life, that we should have that little candle, that we light, we say, Ah, oh, I remember, I'm connected to Hashem. Ah, oh, I'm putting on my tissues, I remember. Ah, oh, I'm putting on my children. Ah, oh, I'm walking by, I can't eat in Burger King. Ah, oh, I'm making a boy pre-age on a grate. That is what Judaism is all about. The little candle that the father asked this, his daughter to light every single night. And nobody in that seminary understood that. And therefore, the world around us, the non-Jewish world, look at us and say, what's with the string? What's with the strings? What's with the beards? What's with all this, these laws? Passover and circus. You guys have more holidays and fast days. And what's with all this stuff? And they look at us like we're crazy. What are you doing all this stuff? Just like the girls looked at the candle. What is that? Why do you need that? They also thought she, her father was crazy. They think God's crazy. What are you Jews are crazy people. 613 mitzvahs. You have to dress differently, walk differently, look differently. You're in, you're in synagogue all the time. And the answer is, that's true. Nobody understands it. Nobody understands the relationship between a daughter and a father. Nobody understands that. But we have to trust our father just like she trusted her father and made the deal of lighting the candle, that even though I don't understand all the time why you are, I have so many rules, but I understand that just like the person who gets the permit is that those rules will help me get from point A to point B safely. And therefore, that's not what life is not about the rules. Life's about A to B. The rules are just to get me there safely. Have a good week. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.